Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Courtside Sign Up podcast today. I am Josh Shivanoff. He is the one and only Angel Ortega. It is UFC 262 Fight Week. It is a lot of stuff for us to talk about. Obviously, recapping UFC Vegas, UFC 262, the lightweight fantasy draft, which has some fun audience participation as well, NBA awards, boxing, so much and more on this episode. Before we talk about that and more, talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy have founded in January 2017 to be the best game of drink in the world. They've developed a premium stack in the form of a delicious energy and focus drink. It's designed to replace unhealthy candy drinks, coffee, and even traditional pre-workouts. Rogue Energy is sugar-free, is loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and nootropics. It was designed for the emerging professional competitive gaming market and continues to have fantastic carryover and success to students, athletes, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to optimize their mental and physical performance. If you want 10% off your order, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Let's go sound off a checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. Last Saturday night from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, a main event that was not very hyped going in turned out to be quite the actually fun fight. Uh, Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Watterson going the full distance. Uh, Marina at times just battering Watterson on the feet. Watterson showed some heart, stayed in there, uh, and actually had some success in the latter rounds. Angel, this fight, uh, very interesting. You and I both audibly on the podcast, not very interested in it. Um, to go ahead and put that lightly. However, uh, I thought it was a pretty fun fight, and Marina, Marina Rodriguez kind of staked her claim as one of the top uh, strawweights on the planet. What do you think about the fight itself and also about uh, Rodriguez's kind of potential in that division moving forward? You know, I got to give it to them, dude. For being on short notice, they, they put on a good show. Uh, you know, that's that's what it's about. And as far as her moving forward, man, I mean, she was right there. Obviously, she got slowed down with one loss there in the process in between. But now she's back in the mix instantly. I mean, it's only one loss. It's not like she was completely out of it. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, with a win over uh, Michelle right here, I mean, she kind of just, you know, justifies her being here and being in this position and not being far away. I mean, she lost to Carla Esparza, who's fighting Yan now on here in a bit. And it looks like one of those girls is probably going to get is probably going to be the number one contender to be in position for maybe a potential title shot here soon. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's like withholding any sort of potential rematch with Whaley. But obviously we, yeah. we'd have to see how that would turn out as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty pretty fun fight. I was pretty impressed with Marina Rodriguez. Obviously I did pick her, but I didn't expect her to – I mean, at times she was just battering Michelle Watterson on the feet. Um, Crowded hottie. She stayed in there, showed some heart. Uh, third loss in her last four fights, though, and um, definitely definitely a tough streak, especially considering uh, I also thought she lost that Angela Hill fight. So we'll see what happens with her moving forward. Uh, Marina, though – Really, she's 34, um, but she does not seem that way, man. I mean, she is not – she's still relatively young in her UFC career, but she still has so much potential, so much uh, to gain moving forward. As far as the co-main event, um, this one was just sad. Um, there's no other way to put it. Alex Morono knocking out Donald Cowboy Cerrone in 4 minutes 40 seconds. Um, Angel Man, th- there's nothing really to say anymore, is there? I mean, with the Cowboy situation, we've kind of – even us on this show have kind of made excuses like, oh, he only lost to the best of the best, or oh, maybe he just needs to go back to 155, or oh, so on and so forth. This is his fifth loss in his last six fights. Uh, four of those have been by a knockout, and you can kind of make the excuse for a couple of those. He's like, oh, it's Conor McGregor, oh, it's Justin Gaethje, oh, it's Tony Ferguson. 
he just got knocked out and didn't even look competitive against Alex Murrow, who is 19 and seven, um, 18 and seven going in, uh, and whose best moment in the UFC was probably beating Max Griffin or almost getting knocked out by Anthony Pettis. Uh, Andrew Man, was that on Saturday night? Would you think that was the last ride for Cowboys and Roney? I mean, probably, man. I, I think so. I think he, if anything, at this point, maybe he wants to try to get a fight where he can go on and win. But it's just like, or, or just a fight where he thinks he's competitive. But I don't know if that's going to happen. And I don't know if it should happen. I mean, he does, he, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's not expressing the damage in the way other people would. But it doesn't mean he's not, it's not there already, you know? Um. I think he has to take a step back. Obviously, I think the Diego fight would have been the best way to go out, win or lose, right? Because they would have, you know, as far as where they were at, both regarding their career and kind of how fights were going, it was kind of similar, except that just Diego had some more weird situation in fights and obviously weird stuff going on outside of fights as well. So maybe that would have made the fight competitive. But, you know, obviously after last Saturday, I mean, you definitely got to sit down and think to yourself, you know, is this really worth it? And, you know, is it really time to just step away and and take, you know, be okay with it? And it is worth noting that, um, I believe Dana did come out and actually confirm that he will give Cowboy one more fight just because of the circumstances involving this one. Obviously, Alex Morono is a much different fight than a Joshua Fabia trained Diego Sanchez, to, to put it mildly. Um, and, and nonetheless, I mean, Cowboy even said that he didn't want to fight at 170, but, you know, him, the Diego fight was just to be at 170. He wanted him to fight at 155. Dana said he's going to give him another fight at 155 uh, and just see what happens. Um, and that one may potentially be his last fight. But Cowboy said he's not. He can't let his legacy go out like that, which it is what it is. I mean, this is a game, though. You always you tend to go out on your back, unfortunately. Uh, as far as the rest of the card, though, my man, uh, what, what other fights in the undercard do you want to go ahead and highlight? As far as um, recap, I'm mean, gonna get credit to the, to some of the ranked fighters who fought on that. I mean, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. I mean, they put on a good show. You know, Jeff Neal showed a lot of great, great. Sadly, though, Neil Magny was just one step ahead of him the whole fight. What it felt like, and uh, I mean, he's back. You know, back on track, being a ranked opponent. You know, he was always. You know, I, you know regardless of you know, of win or loss, I think he was gonna be in the mix as far as ranked opponents. But. Uh, now he's back on track and ready to fight another ranked guy who who's who can get him to a title position hopefully here soon. Obviously Jeff Neal also coming off a loss, both of them coming off losses I believe, and uh, you know really looking for that win to just kind of you know get back on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth noting, um, I'm not sure if this is actually a true statistic, but it's something I heard the other day. Uh, Neil Magny is closing in on George St. Pierre for most wins at Walter Waite, which is just borderline insane um but it, it makes sense when you think about it I mean, this is a dude he's been around since 2013 he's always been super active but it's so weird that he's never even he's not even not even just being close to a title shot like he's never even been close to a title contention he's never been close to a number one contender fight you know what i mean um and you can't even exactly pinpoint when that might have been um maybe the damian maya fight was probably the closest he got uh, that was at UC 190. I mean, that was an incredible streak he was on. I believe he'd won seven in a row leading into that fight, and then he'd win three afterwards. Uh, but even then, man, I mean, just shout out Neil Maddy. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Always staying in there, always winning fights. Just even whenever it doesn't seem like he's going to pull out, whether or not he's the underdog. I mean, I remember when he came back last year 
um, against Li Jing Lang after like two years off. I thought it was a really bad matchup. Instead, dude, I mean, that was just the beginning of creating a great streak for him. He won four of his last five against, you know, Lawler, Jeff Neal, so on and so forth. Great streak for Neil Magny, though. Uh, sucks for Jeff Neal, though. Um, outside of that, dude, uh, Marcus Rogerio, to leave and pick up and win. Gregor Gillespie, dude, this is one of my favorite fights on the card. It was ended up being fight of the night. Uh, coming from behind, neither getting submitted in the first to finish Carlos Diego Ferreira in the second round. Great win by Gregor. Uh, but outside of that, man, Phil Hollis picked up a nice win. Michael Trezano win. Uh, pretty pretty light card just in terms of fights. Uh, just because a lot of them fell out on the day of or the day before. I mean, including uh, Ryan Benoit's fight fell out. Amanda Hebos, Angela Hill fell out. Uh, kind of an unfortunate card. Um, but overall, still pretty fun. However, Angel... It's time, my man. It is time uh, this Saturday night. UFC 262, Toyota Center, Houston, Texas, sold out. And we got a, a little it's, – it's a lightweight showcase, my man. Uh, without further ado, the main event, Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler. Uh, two dudes who whose paths to get here were incredibly different. Obviously, uh, Charles Oliveira has been in the UFC for – 11 years now, he's always been that guy who, he's always been good, but he can never get to the top level. I mean, he, he you know, he got close to a title shot, and then he'd, he'd lose. Or even not even getting close to a title shot, but he would take his, face a top guy, and he would just lose. Cub Swanson battered him, Frankie Edgar dominated him, Cowboy knocked him out, Holloway knocked him out, Pettis submitted him, so on and so forth, until in 2018, he moved up to lightweight. Um, and since then, it's just been it's been all dominance, dude. I mean, he's not had a single close fight in this stretch. Eight wins in a row. And finally, in 2020, he finally put it together, dude. He, he finally started beating the top guys, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee, both top five guys at the time. And he's taking on a guy, Michael Chandler, moving over from Bellator. One fight in, he's got a title shot. Knocked out Dan Hooker in January of 2021. I talked about this a bit off air. Um, it's something I kind of wanted to bring up on air as well. This fight is very, very intriguing. Um, it's definitely a coin flip. It's the most 50-50 I've seen a title fight in a long time. I'm seeing predictions all over the place, betting odds suggested as well. But it's kind of weird, right? Because after after Saturday night, I don't feel like either one of these guys are going to be looked at as the best lightweight on the planet, whether deservingly or undeservingly. Um, I think you can make a case for putting two to three guys ahead of both of them. Uh, I'm just kind of curious on what your thoughts are, kind of the idea that even though they may be champ after Saturday, they're still going to be behind guys like Dustin and um, Gaethje. And will they even be perceived and looked at as the actual best dudes on the planet? You know, that that's that's a solid point. I think I think I can agree. I can definitely agree with that as well. We uh, we talked you know, on the show after Habib retired and after the Connor win that Dustin got, you know, that. Uh, undisputedly, probably without a doubt, right now in this moment, active fighters Dustin Poirier might, might not even might be, is the greatest lightweight on the planet. Just doesn't have the title. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and speaking of great lightweights, we'll we'll be talking about that in a minute. But um, yeah, man, it, it's definitely a weird situation because I love both these dudes a lot. I mean, I'm pretty sure we both been vocal about Charles Oliveira needing a title shot for a while. We we were both. Um, I feel like some of the few people to actually pick pick him whenever he fought Tony um, a while ago. So, you know what, man? I'm happy to see him get a title shot, but Angel, without further ado, dude, I mean, it's so many different paths to get here, but now it's time for the lightweight champion to be decided. Who do you got on Saturday night in the main event? Michael Chandler or Charles Dubronx Oliveira? Oh, man, Josh. I've, I've, man, I've 
put some decent thought into this. When the fight first got announced, I, I was very back and forth. But there was always one one name in the back of my head, Josh, throughout, you know, from, from the moment I got announced to now that has yeah. never left my head. And I've been sure about it. I'm like, you know, something. I think that guy, that guy's going to lift up the butt on that night. And I think he's going to fight one of these two guys later down the line. Who thinks that's going to happen? I think that man's going to be Michael Iron Chandler, Josh. I think he becomes the UFC lightweight champ tomorrow, Saturday night, and lifts it up in the arena in the most American place you could on in the United States of America, Houston, Texas. <laughs> the flag behind his back and the belt around his waist and him screaming into the crowd, Josh. I have the image in my head. It's just too perfectly made, man. It's a match made in heaven. I've seen it too many times, Josh. I visualized it. I meditated it. I saw it. I've seen the future. I think he does it, Josh. I Dude. think he doesn't get submitted. I think he I think he escapes the onslaught, doesn't get submitted, is you know, is able to take him down, is able to control the ground and, and, and get the win. I don't know if it's gonna be a finish, decision, but but I think somehow he pulls it out, Josh. I think he does it. And like you said, dude, and it's it's going to be in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. It's actually be bigger win bonuses this weekend, 50000 to 75000 Let's uh, go, those, champ. Let's go, champ, fighting on the card. Dude, I, I got to go ahead and uh, I got to say it, dude. I really I got to say it. It's I've been very conflicted about this fight. Um, I've been very high on Oliveira for a very, very long time. I think his striking's finally hitting his stride. I think his grappling has always been on point, but even now he's becoming more of a finisher with his grappling. Um I think his cardio has gotten to a great place as well. He looks like he can go five rounds, even though he's never really been in a position to do that before in his career. And my my heart's telling me Oliver, and my mind's telling me Iron Michael Chandler is going to go out there and beat him on Saturday night, dude. I mean, I love both of these dudes, but I just got a feeling, man. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the same page with you, dude. I, it really seems like this is kind of a, a fight that's tailor made to to build uh, Chandler in a way to put him in that position because he did such a great job. Uh, in his first UFC fight, knocking out Hooker, getting on the mic, calling out everybody, dude. I mean, he's he's he owned go, his UFC from the second he stepped into the UFC. And every single time that the, the camera's been on him, he's been killing it. Every single time he's been in the octagon, he's been killing it, dude. He's just – he's making himself into a star, and I think that star-making performance is going to finally come on Saturday night. I think it's probably going to finish Oliver, dude. I honestly think that's going to be the case. Uh, and he came in here. He said he's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. I think it's going to be a good time on Saturday night for Iron Michael Chandler knocking out Oliveira. That's just my – that's the image oh, I cannot get shit. out of my head, dude. Oh, okay. I, I can't get it out of my head, dude. I can't get it out of my head. Um, and after such a long road to get to the UFC, I think in two fights he will be the UFC's lightweight champion. And maybe setting up a fight against Dustin, who he's had some beef with. Maybe he'll be fighting um, Conor McGregor next. And maybe he'll be fighting the winner of the co-main, dude. But – I don't know, man. I think think we got to get into a little bit of that. Looking forward, whoever wins, who's next for them? Who are they going to defend the title against? We got to talk about that. I think it depends. There's so many factors and variables, especially at lightweight, because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, lightweight. Oh, actually, I'll put it like this. If Dustin wins, I think it's Dustin versus Chandler next. It has to be. It has to be. He's he's the clearest contender out of everybody, right? Absolutely. I mean, it it makes too much. I mean, he, he is. The uncrowned champ. He even said it himself. He's he the uncrowned champ. Because, I mean, it's, it's just the truth right now, right? Obviously. If we're, if we're being honest, belt should have been on the line back in January between yeah. Connor and Dustin, but it wasn't. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, so if Dustin wins, he's getting a title shot. If it's Connor, if it's Connor who's going to be winning, I, I think it's going to be the winner of the co main. You think? Because so? Connor takes off a lot of time between fights. 
I mean, Josh, I mean, you're kind of fucking me over with me, with my Connor prediction of fighting three times in a year. You don't think Connor I mean, can make it by December? I, yeah, I don't know, man. I actually don't know. It depends on how the fight goes. I mean, that's that's true, too. And he is fighting later in the year in comparison. Like, he's, if he would be July, fighting, yeah. These guys going to have two months on him, potentially. You know, Connor wins, but he wins in a war. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll want to wait till December. But Chandler wants to fight in August or something. Then they can match up the winner of the co-main. I mean, they, I feel like that's kind of what they're setting up for here. Okay, now Josh, I need to ask you about this, and I think I know the answer to it, and it's a very wide answer, right? Just because of the state of the sport. What fight is bigger if Oliveira or Chandler wins between Dustin and Connor, right? I think for Oliveira, I think. Either, regardless, yeah, and I think it, I think it applies to both guys. Either fight against either guy is is massive, right? But for Chandler, I mean, either fight, same thing. I think I think they're just as big for you know for him, right? Because obviously for legacy wise, if he beats Dustin Poirier, it's kind of like shit. You know, you're talking about the guy who was talked about being in the B, you know, being in the B league, not fighting the greatest of competition, which you know it's a lie. He was fighting good guys, and he and he still is fighting great guys. And if he fights Connor, I mean, he's he's gonna have a explosion that is unbelievable you know because right now we only have one american champion in the ufc right rose you know because yeah. aljamain you know well you know i mean he's he is a champ he is a champ he, but he flies the the colors of um J- jamaica man jamaica yeah so but uh you know it's it, it's kind of like you know uh, as far as like big fights and, and and what is bigger to you josh or what do you think is is the biggest outcome here what 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 is the biggest fight here and biggest combination, if you could, if you can lay it out for me. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'll actually stat rank it for you, because um, you mentioned the four guys in there. Obviously, Chandler, Oliveira, Dustin, and Connor. I'm gonna go ahead and stat rank it for you, dude. I mean, it sucks. Oliveira against Dustin or Connor immediately below her. In fact, I think Dustin against Oliveira is like the lowest ranking that you get. And, and it's and it's sad because it's such a great story, right? It's such a great story. And he's saying if Oliveira wins. That's one of the greatest stories in UFC history, dude. Straight up. This kid came in at the age of 20, and he got battered. He he nearly got cut from the UFC at one point, dude. I mean, he, he at one point, he lost, like, what, four or five or something along those four lines? Four in a row, I think. Yeah, like, something crazy. He, but he was such a young kid, and he stayed on the path, dude. He stayed on the fucking path, and he kept on winning, and he kept on getting better. He finally found a good weight class for him, and he's just been murdering dudes. 11 years in, still only, you know, what, 31 years old. So only 31, he's fighting and finally getting a title shot in his first main event in in front of, you know, tons of people. And this is a guy that, like, he he's made his name, it, like, made his um his climb during a time with no fans. And he finally wins the belt in front of a sold-out arena all screaming for him. That would just be crazy. But Absolutely. even then, at the same time, it's like, he's not a name. He's really not a name. I mean, he, sadly, he got asked sadly. three questions at the press conference he doesn't speak English, or he speaks very little English, I should say. He he does speak occasionally in English, but um, he he doesn't really seem like to like he's the type to really even want the star the spotlight either. So it is what it is, um, and I'll blame him for that. Dude's super talented, but him is going to be below whatever. I think I love the biggest right fight, now, Josh. You know, I just love your breakdown. I just need to say that right now. For sure, I try to do my best, but then after that, it's like. Chandler against Dustin is I think they can make that a fun build and I think there's some history there because uh who was it I think Chandler there's they both accused the other one of ducking everybody's ducking everybody in the UFC um, right. that's that's what they always say you're ducking me you blah 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 anyways um I think the the clearest outcome from this that to have like the biggest fight is Chandler against McGregor 
um, over above everything else, just because Chandler's not afraid to engage in shit talk. He's absolutely gonna shit talk. He's absolutely gonna let. And also, that'd be an awesome fight as well. I don't yeah. even know who I'd pick in that one. Um, so yeah, I think that's like if the UFC's aiming for anything, they're totally aiming for a potential Chandler versus McGregor fight. Absolutely. Also, the buildup, right? You know, because you know he'd be, hey, guy came. You know, he had a crazy hype with Dan Hooker, right? Came in, and then next fight. You know, two fights in the UFC, he becomes champ, right? And then he's fighting Conor McGregor, like you know, like the you know, the, the the as far as you know, just and it's it's the Conor name, right? Conor will always, as far as for MMA, will always be the big draw, right? Just because just because of the the amount of people he brings in, obviously. I mean, nobody's even close. Yeah, there's no one, there, no one touches him. Yeah, so I mean, nobody even touches him. So as far as that goes, man, I mean, it's just Conor in any fight. Yeah, yeah, I'd honestly, I, I really don't know if if they match up Connor and Oliveira, I don't know if like that sell more than, than Dustin and, and Chandler. It probably. Hey man, would. don't doubt, don't doubt those Brazilians, bro. Don't doubt those Brazilians. That's true. Don't the Brazilian crowd. You know he. That'd has, be the weirdest matchup out of all this too, by the it way. It would be the weirdest matchup. Connor Oliveira would be the weirdest matchup, but man, I mean, you know, it, it's like I tell you, dude, I feel like the person who has the better legacy fights would be Oliveira, right? In a way, because of his buildup. But the crazier, mm-hmm. and his, and even his story. I mean, it really should be the Oliveira story train, right? It should. Be it really, really should be, and it feels like all the attention is pretty much on Chandler, because yes. he also he also went through a really really long journey. But at the same time, it's like he went through a long journey in another promotion. Mm-hmm. Like Oliveira is the homegrown guy. He's been in this situation. He's been waiting for the situation for a very very long time, and it kind of sucks because I feel like. This this fight, I even talked about it earlier about how like the winner of this is not going to be seen as the greatest fighter, um, at lightweight, and that kind of sucks to a degree, because I feel like even if Oliveira wins this weekend, he's not going to get his due. They're going to be like, oh, Dustin could beat him, oh, Connor could beat him, oh, Gaethje could beat him. You know what I mean? And what's going to be the fight trigger at that point? What? How many fights would it be for uh, Oliveira at that point on a win streak? Uh, nine, I believe. Nine fight win streak with a title win and could make it ten when with his first title defense as against a big name. I mean, that's that in of itself, like. The, the stakes all around for everybody involved in this lightweight division are insane, man. Yeah, for sure. And But as far as the fight itself goes, I just – I really – I'm very conflicted on who I want to win. But at the same time, it's like I just got a good feeling about Chandler, dude. I mean just the way he's speaking about this whole situation, it's like he knows something that we don't. You know what I mean? I mean this is a guy that's never even been submitted either. I feel like people are just like, oh, he, yeah, Chandler's going to go for a ticket. He's going to get submitted. Has he ever been close to being submitted? He's never even been close to being submitted. I think the closest time, uh, I'm going to say Gochi Yamaguchi went for a submission back in 2018, but I can't remember. Brent Primus, I think, may have went for like a guillotine or something. Benson Henderson, I think, went for a submission like round five, and it might have been like a rear naked choke, but they never really even got really close. He's, he's so, a tough guy to submit naturally because of his build, too. You know, short limbs, short neck, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. As far what as what going, fucking I, neck, Josh? What fucking neck? What, what neck? neck are you? What neck are you gonna choke out? <laughs> I think dude, that's another thing for me, dude. I just can't see him getting submitted. I think it's just gonna be too hard. I talked about this. I think if he does submit, it's gonna be something weird, like a would have to be something crazy, like a calf slice or red leg lock. You know, it's not gonna be a, a rear naked choke or a guillotine or anything like that. I think the underrated thing here is probably Oliveira via knockout, because Chandler gets clipped from time to time. I mean, he. he He's touchable. That is the one thing I thought about too, and uh, and Oliver has that sneaky knockout power. Yes, but but I think it's because it's a uh, how do I put it? 
I feel like you could have quick output into a quick combination that could lead to someone getting you stunned. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to be hard to take down, dude. Um, I think they're both going to be hard to take down. I feel like it's naturally harder to take down guys who are shorter than you. But it's also, And then uh, Oliver, obviously, I'm sure it's going to be hard to take down him as well, naturally, just because of his jiu-jitsu, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing, too. That is something I thought about. I'm like, what if it stays on the feet the entire time? Which, they, 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 according to Chandler, that's not going to be the case. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm just very, very conflicted on the fight. Um, but I can tell you one thing. I don't think Chandler's going to get submitted. That, that's like, if all the fight ways I see this going, I think it's... Like, I don't think Chan's going to... I don't think anybody's getting submitted, which is weird, because it's like, Oldfair, that's his thing, but dude, his striking... Did you, did you see it, Josh? What if he evolved. did submit him? Say that again? What if he did submit him? What if he fucking Imbinari rolled Michael Chandler and submitted him, Josh? That'd be crazy. But, dude, I mean, Chandler's talked about this before. Once you can kind of take away Oliver's confidence, that's it. Once you can kind of zap him of his confidence, he, he's done. I mean, and we've seen that before historically against him, but not for a long time. But even then, during this during this win streak, he hasn't really had any moment where anybody's hit him hard or taken away his confidence. I mean, Paul Felder just dominated from dominated him from the top to where I mean, Oliveira tapped to like an elbow, just a hard elbow from the top. Um, obviously, Lamas beat him on weigh-in day because he Oliveira missed by five ten pounds. Uh, Pettis kept on getting out of submissions. He got you know. Granted, though, when he did a fight with Felder, it was the initial weight change to the lightweight as well. Yeah, you know? for sure. So it did go that way. But it's like, I don't know. Is it possible? I I think Chandler just via finish is the most likely most likely thing. Now, what do you think the win, the win condition is for Oliveira, then? Uh, Oliveira via knockout. I don't think this fight goes to the scorecards at all. You don't think? Oh, okay. Okay. I That'd think be- I could – if it's going to scorecards, I think Chandler probably just because – People like to say, like, oh, he gets tired. But, like, even whenever he gets tired... He has activity, though. He has activity. He, he'll, he'll be get dying, takedowns, but he'll, he'll, be, he'll still top. be going forward. Yeah. And even then, if he gets tired, he'll take a... He's kind of like a beep. He'll take a round off. He yeah. did that in the, ben, the Bendo fight. So, it's like... Yes. It, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we but, laid this one out pretty good, Josh. Yeah. So, we got, we're, let's go ahead and move on to the co-main event. I said at the, whenever we were talking about the card, it's a bit of a lightweight showcase. This one, dude... Very also conflicted on. Uh, Tony Ferguson, El Kukui taking on Benil Dariush. Uh, obviously, um, Ferguson, former interim lightweight champ, um, obviously was on a 12-fight winning streak until he ran into Justin Gaethje last May. Gaethje dominated him. They took on Oliveira. Oliveira dominated him. You can make a damn good case that Tony Ferguson has lost the last eight rounds that he's been a part of, um, which is so insane to come... Looking at it, because this is a guy that won 12 in a row, beat Cerrone, Pettis, Lee, Josanio, Esparboza, so on and so forth. So it's it's pretty insane. And he's taking on a guy. It's a terrible fight, right? Because he's coming off those two dominant losses. And he's running into a guy against Benil Dariush, ranked number nine now, just coming into his prime. He's a bit of a late bloomer in MMA, which is kind of rare. Um, he obviously had success before this, you know, beating Michael Johnson, beating Jim Miller, James Vick. But nothing like we're seeing now. I mean, he had a... He'd, he didn't win for three fights in 2017, 2018. Lost to Hernandez, Barboza. Since then, dude. Win over Tiago Moises, Drew Dover, Frank Camacho, Jakar Close, Scott Holtzman, and Carlos Diego Fajera. It seems he's just hitting his prime, just hitting his stride. And um, very, very interesting fight, my man. Uh, a lot to go ahead and look over in terms of attributes and 
just kind of the roads heading in. Uh, who do you see coming on top in the co-main? Um, I think I'm more conflicted about this one than the main event, if I'm, if I'm being quite honest with you. Because Tony's one of those guys, I think even regardless of the last two performances, I feel like you can't count him out still. You agree with me on that, Josh? Oh, no, I completely agree. I mean, two- I, I, do, I know you have your opinions about Tony. We don't got to get into it right now, right? But I think he's one of those guys who just... I think he'll come at you, man. Or, or, or even, even I feel like the last two performances, I think I want to believe they were a fluke, right? Like they were, they, we got, we just for some reason Tony, you know, we just got a bad version of Tony, right? For for whatever reason, we didn't get the best version of Tony, and Tony just didn't come out, right? Yeah. Uh, now we got Benil, man, and the thing is, this guy's a tough dude. He'll he'll fucking take shots every single day and eat him up. He's not afraid to take damage. Thing is, though, I don't know, man. I could see Tony coming out, you know, and th- and then going at it, going to war, and then this being stopped because Tony, because Tony caused the cut on on Benilla. The, the doctor's like, you know something? That looks a bit rough. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I feel like that's the one thing I have about Tony that Tony could at one point end the fight, not because of him knocking or finishing the opponent, but because a cut happens and it starts making it difficult. The fight's getting bloody because you know it's gonna happen, Josh. We know Tony's gonna throw those elbows. You know we're gonna have a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know Benilla's gonna keep walking forward, bloodied or not. I just, oh man, I, I'm, I'm conflicted on it, Josh, but I, I think I'm going to go Benil you. I think the Tony era is not over, but it's not going to go on right this moment after this fight. I think Benil's, I, I think Benil takes it, and he is in, in line for another big name. Mm. And look, you're, you mentioned it yourself. Tony's a guy you can never count out. I'm not counting Tony out. In fact, I've gone back and forth in this fight a lot. Oh, shit. Okay. I've gone back and forth a lot. Um, but I uh, I also got to go Benny, dude. I gotta oh, go. yeah, I know. Man. I got to say Tony time. I was so ready for it. I was so Tony ready for time. it. No, I suckered you in, didn't I? You no, did sucker uh, me in, man. I was very conflicted, dude, and I'm a big... Damn you, Josh. I, I hate this matchup from day one for Tony, but as time gone on, I'm like, you know what, dude? He looks in the right mindset. He's changed around where he's training with. Um, but even then, dude, I just I can't see him pulling it out. I think Benil, he's he's on a great like a great streak right now. Um, do I think it's possible we're gonna get vintage Tony time? Absolutely, cool. absolutely, dude. Because cool. because Benil's not gonna try and wrestle him. He's not gonna be that super pressure guy. He's not, he doesn't hit nearly as hard as a Gaethje. He's not gonna go for the takedowns like an Oliveira would, right? And he's very crackable. I mean, Jacar Carlos nearly knocked him out. Carlos Diego, had, that was a close fight that we saw him in. Hernandez put him out. Barbosa put him out. But I don't know, man. I just I think Ferguson's gonna walk into one too many overhands from Benil, and I don't think he'll get knocked out. But I could see Benil maybe hurting him. Looking for a finish getting close. I think we're going to be looking at a Deuce win at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I dig so, it, man. You think Tony will go for any takedowns? I'm kind of curious. Uh, no, I don't think so. You don't think he'll put it to the ground? That's something no, I, I wonder. So. I wonder I, if there'll be any ground game. Benio's pretty underrated on the ground, too, so I don't even think it would matter much. Well, he doesn't really use it to his max potential. We saw it at Carlos' fight. I think we like. I like to see it more. But, I mean, yeah. It'll be dependent of him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, man. Still, we're on the same page in the co-main and the main so far. Uh, the rest of this card, interesting to put it to put it lightly, I guess. It's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, some fights are more excited for than others. But moving down in the card, Caitlin Shukagian, Vivian Archero, obviously Caitlin Shukagian, um, coming off of a 
a win to, against Cynthia Calvillo. She's had an interesting stretch in the UFC, to put it lightly. I mean, um, for a long time, she, kept, she was trying to get that title shot. She, had to get, she got it against Shevchenko, got bodied. Um, then she dominated, beat the shit out of Antonina Shevchenko. Um, then she got TKO'd by Josh. Is coming off the win against Calvillo, like I mentioned. Argero, on the other hand, two wins in a row. Mata Ferry, Montana De La Rosa, only lost in the UFC is to Jessica I. Uh, so who do you got in this women's flyweight showcase? I'm torn on this one, bro, too. I feel like, oh, man. And Kaylin was right there, man. Just it just, just so close to it, and, and, and it just it slipped away, didn't it, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I go Kaylin Shakigan. I think she does it, man. I think, I think she pulls it out. I think she gets herself back in the title position, and she'll be there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also going to go Caitlin Chukagan. I think she's just more the established fighter in this division. Um, Vivian Argero, she is on the come up. She has had two nice wins in a row. But I don't know, man. I'm just not sure about it. Um, I'm not sure about her career as like a title contender moving forward, which which sucks because it sucks for Chukagan because she's like in an unwinnable position here. Because um, I think she's probably, I mean, would you agree that she's probably the second best women's flyweight? Probably right now, yeah, it's probably right Yeah, now. I mean, behind, at least in the rankings, because I think she's worse than Andrade. We saw that in their fight. But even then, she was cracking Andrade before she got finished. So it's like, that was I thought it was the best Chukagans looked, honestly, before Andrade finished her. So I think it goes both ways. Um, but I am to pick her, but it sucks. I don't think she's getting close to a title shot anytime soon. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Uh, moving down the card, dude, <sighs> Matt Schnell. Argero Baltanen at a 137-pound catchweight because Montana missed weight. Uh, both two guys ranked uh, at flyweight, so I'm a little bit confused as to why they're fighting at bantamweight. This must be short notice. <laughs> Had uh, I thought I was tripping for a minute here when I saw this was a bantamweight, but I guess not because then Montana even missed. Uh, but regardless, uh, <laughs> it's going ahead. Uh, obviously, Matt Schnell, interesting UFC career so far. It, it, he doesn't seem like a guy who's been in the UFC for five years, but he has. Um, and he's picked up some nice wins during his time. Jordan Espinosa, Luis Smolka, Tyson Nam. Uh, and obviously he's taking on Hojero Boteron, who, like I said, did miss weight. So this is a catch weight, but he is ranked number nine. Uh, but he is coming off of two losses in a row. Uh, most notably Kai Carr, France earlier this year via knockout. Uh, so who do you got in this flyweights fighting at bantamweight fight? I know, right? I, I got Matt Schnell, dude. I think it'll be too long and too big for him. And I think he'll be able to over at least over overpower him with that. Hopefully he's able to use the length in the fight. And obviously with the added weight, I'm sure that'll feel kind of nice. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. I'm also going to go ahead and go Matt Schnell. I was impressed with his win over Tyson Nam earlier this year. Because um, Tyson Nam was on a fucking roll before that, dude. Um, two knockout wins, which is so rare to see a flyweight. Um, nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Schnell. Uh, I found out why Hogerio was coming on short notice. That's why this was a bantamweight fight, by the way. Should go ahead and give a, give some it clarification. Was, it, it was Alex Perez originally. Yeah, so I apologize for making fun of him for having to fight a bantamweight. My bad, dude. All right, dude, completely. Uh, but opening up the main card, in my yeah. opinion, it, this has to, this has to be fight of the night. Uh, we hope, it's, right? It's gonna be close, dude. It's gonna be close. Edson Barboza. The former lightweight staple obviously moved down to featherweight in 2020, had a loss to Dan Ige in a fight where only two people on the planet, uh, just so happened to be judges, thought Dan Ige won that fight. Nonetheless, then he followed up with the absolute destruction of Makwan Americani uh, in October. 
Now he's in his third fight, fight at featherweight, taking on the one and only Shane Burgos, dude. This dude's always entertaining. One of the best prospects in the division. He just turned 30 earlier this year. Uh, only loss in the UFC to Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of good wins on there as well. Makwan as well. Uh, Cub Swanson, Gofredo Pepe, to just to name a few. Uh, dude, awesome fight here. Both action fighters. Who do you got at featherweight? Dude, I'm picking Anson Barbosa, dude. I think the weight, I think, dude, chop down the movement, break down those legs, be able to finish him up top. I think he's got it, man. I think the weight change, he's looking great ever since he moved to featherweight. Obviously, Shane Burgos, man, tough guy, hell of a guy, really entertaining. I think Edson's going to be able to pull it, dude. I, I I have faith in those Edson Barbosa leg kicks. I've talked about this, man. One Francis Ngannou headshot or or a Edson Barbosa leg kick, give me that Ngannou head. Give me that Ngannou headshot, dude. I'll take it. Leg kick from Barbosa, not doing it. For sure, dude. For sure. Um, I'm also going to take Barbosa. I just think Shane Burgos, I love the dude, but he's way, way, way too hittable. Um, Josh Emmett on one leg knocked him down and nearly finished him twice. So a super entertaining guy, but he's got to shore, shore up that defense. Maybe he did in the year that he's been off. But I, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm going to take Barbosa. Um, like you said, dude, he's been looking great physically. He's still, he's 35 now, but it feels like his record, still got is, time, so, he, his record is so deceiving, too. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's lost something like five of his last seven fights. But it's like Habib, Kevin Lee, knocked out Dan Hooker, lost to Gaethje in a war. That was like, a couple, that was like the best three-minute fight of all time. I thought he beat Paul Felder, but he lost via split decision. I thought he beat Dan Ige, but he lost via split decision. So, very deceiving record as well. But, dude, as far as the undercard goes, we just went through all the main card. Um, what are some undercard fights you were kind of looking forward to? I mean, dude, we got to highlight Jacare, dude. He's, he's back. He's finding Andre Munoz. How do you feel about that matchup, Josh, after the Kevin Holland loss? Um, I don't see. I think it's interesting to show where he's at because Andre Muniz. I wouldn't necessarily call him a prospect, so to speak. I mean, he, he's 31, you know what I mean? And he's kind of had he, – he's had some good wins in the UFC, but nothing that super, like, stands out. Um, his only wins are against guys that aren't in the UFC anymore. So it's like it, it goes both ways. So um, And Jacare, this is a good test fight for him. I mean, he is 41, and he's coming off three losses. But it's like that Hermanson fight. You know, that was pretty back and forth. The Jan Wachowicz fight, that was a light heavyweight and nothing happened. I mean, you can make the case Jockery won that fight. Uh, and the Kevin Holland fight was so quick and so weird, I couldn't really tell what happened. So, I mean, this is um, it's, this is a good test fight for him, in my opinion. Yep, yep. Granted, it is year two for Andre Munoz in the UFC. So, I mean, we'll see how it starts his year two campaign. Mm-hmm. Year two. We'll see. Um, my fight to highlight real quickly, dude. I mean, there's a couple of other fights I want to highlight. Lando Venata against Mike Rundy. Lando moving down to featherweight. Always been one of the most entertaining dudes of the UFC. I mean, his his UFC record, not good. I'm just going to say it. Not very good at all. Um, obviously, he he had a, the one of my fights, favorite fights of all time against Tony Ferguson. Um, just pure action for two rounds. He knocked out John McDessie. After that, it was all, I want to say downhill, but it was meh. It was pretty weird. Um, he lost to David Tumor, had a draw with Bobby Green, um, lost to Jakar Close, draw with Matt Frivola, beat Marcus Mariano, lost to DeCasey, winning at Sansa Medeiros, lost to Bobby Green. So very, very up and down. Mike Grundy, very, very interesting prospect. I don't know if I call him prospect. He's 34, but um, amazing wrestler. Um, at this point, 12-2, and two, one loss to Mozar Alvazilov. In July of 2020, he only has two fights in the UFC, but still a very, very high-level guy. So, 
Um, in addition to that, Andrea Lee, Antoniva Shevchenko are going to be interesting. Antoniva, dude, I don't understand what what her end goal is. Um, just to be completely honest, I mean, she's six fights in the UFC at this point. Um, she's still in the same weight class as her sister. She's not going to fight for a title. I assume she's not going to fight her sister. I, mean, I don't know if she, I don't know if they've ever talked about that. Um, but she's taking on KGB Lee in another fight to potentially get her a step closer to fighting for the title, which is weird. Um, KGB Lee looking to rebound after three straight losses. Man, um, y'all trying to steal my title shot from my girl, Lauren Murphy. For real, dude, for real. Um, Jordan Wright, big fan of that dude. The Beverly Hills Ninja taking on Jamie Pickett. Gina Mazzani, Priscilla Cachoeira. That fight is interesting for the sole fact that I believe those are the two worst um, probably fighters, women fighters in the UFC right now. You can make a damn good case um, just from looking at their records. Because um, Gina Mazzani does not have a single win against a person that's in the UFC at this point. And same thing for Priscilla Cachoeira. So who knows? Well, now it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, well, now it's going to happen. That's what I'm and, saying. Okay. Um, and then the opening of the card is Chris Diagos, uh, excuse me, Christos Giagos taking on Sean Soriano. So that should be a fun fight. Neither one of those dudes are going to be like a, a contender, but that should be a fun fight. But Angel, you know what time it is now? It's time for the draft. Um, oh, ladies man, and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we ha- I had this idea a couple weeks ago, and uh, I talked about Angel with it. Um, and we decided to do it, dude. It's going to be a, a NFL-style draft. We're going to pick our top seven lightweights, seven rounds, seven lightweights. Oh, we said I thought we were doing five. Man, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> oh, I thought it was – we'll do five then. I thought I said seven whenever we talked about it, but regardless. Um, we'll go ahead and do five, top five lightweights. And you guys can go ahead and vote on who has the better team. We'll go ahead and put up a poll after the podcast airs. We're going to put it up on Twitter as well as Instagram. Who has the best lightweight team? Probably make a graphic for it and all that nice stuff. But, dude, um, we never actually talked about how we're going to go ahead and determine who gets the first pick. But uh, since, you, since you are leading in No, the, I think we should do last year's. Last lead. year. Yeah, who okay. was leading last year? I think that's uh, fair. All right, that's fair enough. Last year, I did take it. Um, you are winning this year. You are two picks ahead of me. Um, if you guys don't know, if you guys don't keep track of it, we do for the playoff, uh, not playoff, UC prediction record. I went 63, 36, and 2. You went 58, 41, and 2. This year, so far, we are neck and neck. I'm 32, 19, and 1. You're 33, 18, and 1. So I will go ahead and go first. Granted, that is with some throwaways, because I do I do sometimes say fuck it, and I do make fun picks. For sure. I mean, well, I picked Felicia Spencer or Amanda Nunes, so I have no <laughs> I, I've I've had some bold predictions as well, my friend. Most of them end up being fucking wrong. Anyways, um, dude, there's no other person to go ahead and do first draft pick in the all-time lightweight draft. I have to go Habib Nurmagomedov, 29-0, oh, former UFC champion, multiple title offenses, wins over Conor McGregor, Ally Quinta, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gaethje. He is the first overall on my team, and he is uh, now on Team Josh. All right, Josh. With the second overall pick... In the 2021 lightweight draft, <laughs> the Angel Ortega select, the original king of underground, Eddie Alvarez. Oh, he's going to go Eddie Alvarez. That's that's an interesting pick, my man. That is an interesting pick. Obviously, Eddie, former UFC champ, former Bellator champ, holding a professional record, 38, 30 wins, excuse me, 30 wins, eight losses, uh, one in a contest, right. which he actually just had. Um <laughs> 
good pick, good pick. I personally had him on my board uh, around number five, so I can kind of show you where I had him at. Oh, okay. Uh, number two, dude, I got to go. The prodigy, BJ Penn, 16-14-2. and two. The record does not say it all. However, my friends, uh, former UFC champion, Windsor Gems, Pulver, Sean Shirk, um, the Muscle Shark, um, Matt Hughes, so on and so forth. Um, obviously a complete legend of the game. Before he went on his downslope, he was considered one, of the, considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. The first dual weight champion, so on and so forth. Dude, I got to go BJ, the prodigy, Penn. Alrighty, Josh. And with my second overall pick, I'm picking one of the original lightweight ghosts, man. I'm picking Frankie Edgar, Josh. Frankie Edgar. Wow, obviously Frankie Edgar, um, former UFC lightweight champion, one of the OGs, dude. I'm very, I'm very surprised. I didn't even have him on my board. I forget Frankie even fought at lightweight, which is so crazy because that's what I'm saying, dude. That's that why was, it's that, crazy. It was so early in his UFC career. I mean, whoever would have thought that like 10 years. I mean, he was champion, like, what, 09? So 12, 13 years ago, something along those lines, he was champion, fighting a lightweight. Now he's down to 135, still a top five guy. Absolutely insane, the longevity. Um, as far as my number three pick, um, I, I for the record, Angel, I didn't tell you this. I have, like, I thought we were doing seven rounds, so I straight up have, like, 20 dudes on my board. I didn't know um, we were doing seven, dude. That's, that's the thing. I thought we were only doing five. I could have sworn you said five. Oh, I, no, because I, I was going in my head like NFL draft and NFL has seven. So that's what I was – regardless, it doesn't really matter. But I thought it was funny because I have these picks for days. Um, but, dude, number three, I got to go Benson Henderson, uh, record 28-10, and 10, former UFC champion, former WEC champion, um, wins over Cowboys Cerrone, um, Nate Diaz, so on and so forth. Dude is a one of the legends, one of the OG lightweight GOATs. Um, I believe he still holds the record for most UFC lightweight title defenses all these years later, which is pretty insane. It's it's easy to forget how good Benson was in his prime. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take Benson Henderson at number three. All righty, Josh. At number three for myself, I'll be taking the current greatest lightweight on the planet, Dustin Poirier. Ooh. Dustin Poirier, obviously, holding a professional record of... 27 wins, six losses, former interim lightweight champion. We talked about it earlier in the show. We're going to be facing off con- against Conor McGregor in the um, their trilogy fight in July. Uh, so that's a that's a damn good pick there. I got to go ahead and respect that one. Um, and since you're going to go take Dustin, I'm going to turn right back around and take Conor McGregor, 22 and five, former UFC champion at featherweight and lightweight, former Cage Warriors champion at lightweight and featherweight. Um, the Mac dude, I got to go ahead and take him at number four. Okay. Well, Josh, I'm throwing it back, man. At number four, I'm taking Takanori Gomi, my guy. Oh, my man. My fourth overall pick. Dude, that's actually – so obviously Takanori Gomi, complete legend. Um, doesn't get talked about enough in the all-time lightweight conversation because this is a dude who just dominated Japan for a long, long time. Um, fought in the UFC, but he was past his prime. He's professional record 36 and 15, former pride champion – Holds a lot of great wins. Still going over there right now as we speak. I know, um, right? I yeah, saw dude, that. That's a damn good pick. That's a damn good pick. I'll go ahead and give that to you. Um, and now fifth and final pick to go ahead and round out Team Josh. Um, I got so many dudes left on the board. It's, it's hard to pick. But if I were to go ahead and sh- take a quick look, I got to go ahead and take Anthony Showtime Pettis. 
um, formerly on the Wheaties box. Um, uh, professional record, 24 wins, 11 losses. Former UFC champion, former WEC champion, Showtime, going at number five in the last member of Team Josh. Hey, Josh, I love it. With my fifth overall pick, Josh, I'll be taking Tony Elkakui Ferguson. Elkakui. Uh, that's that's a nice pick as well, my friend. Obviously, in the co-main event this weekend. Um, so, yeah, guys, you can go ahead. I'm going to make up make up a graphic and just go ahead and um, you guys can go I, ahead. And I will say, Josh, we could still go. I technically still have guys on my board that, that we didn't pick. All right, fuck it. We'll go. Because <laughs> it's only two seven. more. Yeah, we'll do the seven because I te- I still have guys because I I you know I still have to, I might have to look some guys up. Well, no, I I, I think I can come up with people. Off the because I, I well I'm I got I still got a lot of them left. So okay, you got okay. So six. Here you go, Josh. Back at it to you. Back number six in the sixth round of the UFC lightweight draft. I'm going to go ahead and take Jens Pulver, uh, the original lightweight champion, the first ever lightweight champion, uh, 27, 19, and one. Um, obviously back in the day, this dude was, he was phenomenal. I mean, it's kind of hard to convey how good Jens Pulver was in his prime. Um, he was so good to close out the division, um, cause he actually left and they tried to put a bell in the line between him and be, between BJ and Kaluno, but it ended up going to a draw and so on and so forth. But he'd already beaten both those guys. So it didn't really matter. Um, yeah, Jens Pulver super underrated in the all time lightweight discussion. So I'm going to go ahead and take him in the sixth round. Okay, Josh, I'll be taking RDA in the sixth round. RDA. Yep. That's a good choice. Uh, former UFC lightweight champion as well. That's a that's a damn good choice. Got to respect it. Um, and in the seventh round, I kind of want to do a hipster pick here. I think Jens was probably a good enough hipster pick, though. Uh, so I am going to go ahead and select with the seventh and the the seventh pick for the seventh round of the UFC all-time lightweight draft. I'm going to go ahead and take. Cowboy Cerrone, uh, <laughs> 36 and 16, the UFC's all-time UFC winner, wins, uh, leader in wins, performance bonuses, finishes, so on and so forth. Dude is a legend and a future Hall of Famer. So I'm going to go ahead and take South, uh, Cowboy Cerrone in the seventh round. Awesome, awesome. With my last pick, Josh, I'm going to take the guy with probably the most submissions of all of them, Shinya Yoki. Yo, that's a good pick, dude. That's actually a really good pick. I can respect that. Shinya Aoki. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know what titles he's won. Like all, like all the dudes we've named, I've actually had like, like the records like uh-huh. on my little, my little board that I have my little notepad. I got like all their, like, all their attributes and all their stats and shit. Like, um, yeah, guy. dude, Shinya Aoki, damn good pick, damn good pick. Um, so yeah, guys, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and put put up a post. If you guys wanna go ahead and vote um about which team is better um yeah and i, I don't know man I, I'm, I feel pretty good about my team i'm feeling pretty good about it yeah, no, i dig it i like it i think i think we have good good teams good man i thought we picked some unique guys too yeah was there anybody like left on your draft board i'm a uh, chat of curiosity or did you get all the dudes you wanted uh i think i got everybody i wanted well i'll tell you do you want i, I okay i don't have this in the list that i wanted it but i kind of do but I got okay. everybody on my board. Okay. I, I, I was thinking, you know, like depending how I go, I had Frankie and Habib both like one and two, right? Just like however it worked out, right? Because I didn't know. Because uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know how early on Josh will pick Habib. Because I'm like, he might not pick Habib as early on as maybe I think. So he was up there. 
Oh, and I was I, absolutely taking him one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had already thought about that in advance. And then I had Eddie to follow it up, and then Dustin, and then BJ, and then Ben, and then Tony. Shinya, RDA, and, and, uh, and Taka at the bottom. Yeah, man, I, I respect that. I respect that. I mean, it's, it's, as far as it goes, I also had Gomi on my board. I had, I think uh-huh. I had everybody outside of um, Aoki. Actually, you, on, yeah. Did you have RDA as well? I had RDA. I did not have Frankie. I did not have Frankie. I apologize. At one point, I did have Pettis, but I didn't know if I wanted. Like I, I was like, well, RDA did beat Pettis. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually made some changes. I mean, my top seven. I, I made like a top seven list and I had a backups list. My top seven was Habib, Benson, BJ, Pettis, Alvarez, McGregor, and Chandler. But I decided last second to go ahead and take Chandler out and swap in uh, Jen's Pulver. Uh, and then I was ended up sliding in Cowboy Cerrone. He was one of my backups, along with Joe Lozon, Tony Ferguson, Jens Pulver, Gomi, and Poirier. Yep, I dig it. So, yeah, man, that was, that was my entire list. But, um, yeah, I mean, just to go ahead and quickly recap, teams, Habib, BJ, Benson, Henderson, Conringer, Anthony Pettis, Jens Pulver, Cowboy Cerrone, against Angels team, Alvarez, Edgar, Poirier, Gomi, Ferguson, RDA, and Shinya Aoki. If you guys are going to go ahead and, vote on that like i said we'll be up on instagram and twitter we'll go and talk about the results next week as well uh but that's just some fun we decided to go ahead and do i mean given that it is a a complete lightweight show this weekend seems like a lot of fun but angel my man we've been talking about it for a while now nba talk we haven't had a whole lot if any of it these past few weeks just because in the regular season there's not a whole lot to really talk about i mean if we're being honest unless it's like a major injury or something really, really important to talk about. But, dude, now it's time. We're almost time for the play-in. We'll give our play-in predictions at the end of this segment. But, Angel, no bigger place to start with the MVP. We have two games left on the schedule, but it seems like MVP is almost entirely wrapped up. Um, So, Angel, my man, you can go ahead and go first. Uh, This is a sound-off NBA awards for 2020, well, 2020-21 season, excuse me. So, Angel, who is your 2021 MVP for the NBA? You know, I'm going to be a homer here. I really am. I'm going to get a lot of flack for it, but I'm going to pick my boy Chris Paul, Josh. I really do. Dude, that's I know a lot, You know, it, it's, it, I'm going to be a homer here. I know Jokic is probably the one who deserves it, but I'm going to be a homer here and pick, and pick my boy Chris Paul. Jokic does deserve it, straight up. I completely agree. Uh, but honestly, I'm actually going to go Joel Embiid. Um, at Man. this point... Josh, get out of here. Oh, really? So you can have Chris Paul, who is not even the best Above player on Jokic? his team. Chris Paul is not even the best player on his team. If, I, if you're going to say Booker, I'd actually defend that. All I'm saying gonna... is, ever since Chris got there, we're the second seed now, damn near the first seed, and could still technically be the first seed, I think, if things work out a certain way here. Mm. Or I think we'd be tied, and then it would go to like some sort of differential. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's fair enough, but I, I am going to go ahead and take Joel Embiid. I just, I don't know. It, it's going to go to Jokic. I have no problem with that. In fact, he probably should win it, but I don't know. I'd like to see Joel get some sort of love just for the season he's been having. Um, and even though he's going to sit out most of the playoffs anyways. I mean, yeah, you're right, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I, he really surprised me this season, especially considering going into it, I was like, I was pretty iffy on how good Philadelphia was going to be because last year they really, really shit the bed. Um, and they do that most of the time in the playoffs. The only real time they actually saw them as like a contender was 20, I guess it'd be 2018 now when they lost to the Raptors. 
Um, I think that was the real NBA Finals, to be completely honest. I think whoever won that series is probably going to win it in hindsight. Um, but going into this year, I was pretty, pretty iffy on them actually being a good squad. Or I, I'm sure they were going to make the playoffs, but they actually look like probably the best team in the East, at least as far as right now, outside of the Nets. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Joel Embiid. Obviously, he's not going to win it, but just to go ahead and give him some, some, some shine for the season. Uh, but as far as that goes, dude, now it's time for Defensive Player of the Year. Enjoy, man. Obviously, uh, there's always there's always a clear favorite in this thing, uh, but nonetheless, you can go ahead and you can go ahead and go ahead with your oh uh, defensive God. player of the year. Dude, who I even pick? This is actually something I never even thought about until now. Really? I'll go. You want me to go? Yeah. I okay. have a couple of names in my mind, but I'm trying to think of who in my head right now. Go ahead first, though. I'll go, I'll go ahead and go. I'll, I'll go. Um, obviously, there's a couple of names in my head that I thought were absolutely clear favorites. Obviously, Giannis is always going to be up there. Gobert is always going to be up there. Ben Simmons is up there this year. Uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and go Rudy Gobert. Um, last year, I thought he should have won Defensive Player of the Year, especially considering he shut down the league for a full six months. Um, he locked down everybody. Uh, so, <laughs> jokes aside, I think he's been – Really, kind of the anchor of Utah. Obviously, always the 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 real shine on that team is always going to go to Donovan Mitchell, uh, and to a lesser extent Conley, just because they're kind of the more fun guys to watch. They're the, they're the two guards, but um, I think you cannot understate his importance. I'm going to go ahead and take Rudy Gobert as my defensive player of the year. I think I'm going to go the same way too. I feel like he's always one of those guys that's always going to be in the conversation, though, regardless. Yeah, for sure. Him, him, and Giannis almost consistently. Um, but now it's time to go ahead and move on, my man. Rookie of the year. There's been a lot of rookies around the league that are making a huge impact. Uh, but for one, there's one dude who's always stood out the entire season for me, just in terms of importance. Um, there's always there's been good dudes around the league, without a doubt. I think um, when you kind of think about it, dudes like Anthony Edwards comes to mind, but he's playing for a terrible team in Minnesota. Uh, I gotta go Lamelo, dude. I I gotta go Lamelo. He he's he, he did miss time, but this is a team Charlotte that I never even considered to be as good as they actually ended up being. I mean, they're gonna make the play and even without the plan, they would have made the playoffs because they're the eighth seed. So I'm gonna go ahead and go Lamelo. He's made a huge impact on that team. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and take him as rookie of the year. Yep, I'm gonna go the same way. I think there was other guys who could have had a good opportunity, but their teams just didn't let them lose. Um. But yeah, Lamella at one point, out of all the rookies, led in every category. Assists, points, rebounds, and maybe even steals, I think, at one point. Mm. Yeah, man, and, that, and that's and that's fair enough. And he, he's been killing it. He really has. I never expected them to be as good as they are this year. Um, and obviously, they really suffered a lot whenever he was actually out of the lineup. I think they'd even be better than the, – I, I think they'd probably be somewhere around where the Knicks are now if Lamella didn't miss time. Um but that being said, dude, as far as coach of the year, this one's very much up in the air. But I think there's really only two dudes in my mind that I can kind of just make a case for. Obviously, I think you make a case for probably, you know, pretty much most of the top teams. Obviously, Steve Nash, his first year coaching. Um, but he's working with such an insane, insane roster where it doesn't really matter. Uh, Doc Rivers taking Philadelphia. Philadelphia was kind of an iffy team, and they they're the best team in the East. I mean, at least standings-wise. Um, 
But for me, dude, it's got to come down to either Tom Thibodeau for the Knicks or Monty Williams for the Suns. I'm going to go ahead and give your Suns it, dude, because as bad as the Knicks are, the Knicks, as far as the Knicks are supposed to be, let me rephrase, um, the East is always such a terrible conference to where you can make it in. I mean, the for example, the Wizards are in the play-on game, and they are six games below 500. Um, even if you're looking at, you're like, oh, there's a 10th seed. That doesn't really matter. They wouldn't make the playoffs anyway in a normal circumstance. If you look at the 8th seed, the Hornets, they're four games below 500. Um, nobody in a million years would have picked the Suns to finish as a second seed, possibly even the first. I think you guys probably will end up finishing out first seed now that Mitchell's not playing. So I'm going to go ahead and take Monty Williams. Dude. Such an insane turnaround to even go from they carried over from last season, that insane streak you guys had in the bubble carrying over now. So I'm going to go and take Monty Williams and the Suns for coach of the year. Yeah, I think Monty is obviously in the conversation. Quinn Schneider, too, of the Utah Jazz. Granted, they've been up there pretty regularly, but now they got their first seed finally. So mm-hmm. I give a lot of him, like I said, Tibbs, too, and uh, obviously Doc. But, you know, the situation they're going into. Obviously, the biggest change was Tebow, uh, Tibbs, and uh, Monty. And I guess I'll be a homer going to pick uh, Monty, but it's not even that big of a homer pick because obviously he, uh, he's, he's, he's definitely been a good coach. From last year to now, and where we are now, I mean, we got to give credit to him and, and to the players as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's really a homer pick, to be completely honest with you, just because it's such an insane, like, turnaround. Because, like you said, it, um, the Jazz have always been a consistently good team, and they're generally always around that four or five spot. So them being a number one seed in a year where the Clippers had injuries and you know, Portland's had injuries, like I've injuries. I'm not that surprised. Um, but dude, never in a million years. I mean, I was high on the Suns going into the year. I, I loved the Chris Paul move, but even then, I never expect you guys to be two seed at all. Um, I had us at the A seed just to show how fucking how much. Yeah, I, I mean, had. I, I think you guys. I, I had. I have to go back and listen, but I think I had you guys around the A seed as well. I, I expect you guys to make the playoffs, but you guys aren't even just two seed. Like you're, you're fucking nine games ahead of the los angeles lakers you're three games ahead of the clippers so on and so forth so one 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 game behind first (laughs) exactly and i think you guys will probably actually end up with first depending on if you guys play your starters yeah we'll see what happens i'm I'm hoping myself man uh i really i'd rather play the other side to be honest rather than the side we're on now if i'm being quite honest with you Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it, Jazz, it all comes down to tonight. Jazz playing Thunder, so. I know, dude. I'm, I'm Shea Gill, Lou Dort. Come on, guys. Put it out there for me. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but now it's time for some quick little predictions because we can give our playoff predictions because next week is really playoffs. However, by the time that we actually come back next week, I believe the play the play-in will have already happened. Um, and it seems like the play-in is pretty much decided. Technically, the Bulls still can get in. Um, they would need to beat the Nets, and I believe they would have to have – they would need to win out, and Washington would need to lose out. But that's not very likely at all. Uh, Washington has been a pretty consistent team the second half of the season. Um, so let's just say for the sake of argument, Washington's going to go ahead and get in. If we're wrong, then that just discounts Also, everything. the Bulls are playing the Bucks and the Nets. we got to clarify. So very, very unlikely. Uh-huh. So – um, we can go ahead and start in the East, my man. I'm going to let you go ahead and go first. Who do you see as far as the play-in goes? Um, how do you kind of see that whole situation playing out? Because as far as it goes, it, it's different than last year if you guys have not been keeping up. Obviously, the play-in tournament last year was just if you're if it's like what? Um, the eight plays the nine, and the, that go, 
that person will get in, that team will get in. Uh, this year it's a little bit different uh, because what we're looking at is the top 10 teams playing. So 10 is going to play nine, seven is going to play eight. And the winner of nine uh, against 10 is going to play the loser of seven and eight. Uh, so in this situation, it would be Washington and Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, not Indiana, she's Christ, Indiana taking on uh, the loser of Boston and Charlotte. So how do you see that whole situation playing out with that potential lineup of games? Uh, okay. I think as far as the Indiana-Washington lineup, I'm going to pick Indiana. I know obviously the Wizards have been on their little streak. They have, you know, they've been doing it good, but I think Indiana just has more established players right now in comparison to Washington. I feel like obviously, obviously Beal and Westbrook are obviously extremely established players, and they got some good guys on there. But I don't think they're ready for the playoffs. And if they're gonna, and they're gonna do the playing tournament is gonna be one game, Josh, or how's it gonna be? Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be one game. One game. Yeah, one game on the line. I mean, I guess Washington could pull it out. Man, I guess since it's one game, I'll give it to Washington actually, because if it was, if it was more than one game, I'd give it to the Pacers. I'll give it to Washington. Uh, and then the loser of seven and eight, I'll give it to Charlotte. So Charlotte versus Washington would be my matchup, and Indiana would be out. And out of that, I think Washington wins it again, and they they become the A seed and they play the Philly. Therefore, and then in that case, Boston would become the seven seed and play the Brooklyn Nets. So yeah, I think Washington make it in, and, and Brooklyn makes it in. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go similarly I'm in that potential matchup. I'm going to go actually take Washington over Indy. Um, I've just been super high on how Washington's been playing. They really turned it around from that first part of the year where they looked like complete ass. Um, like, I, I'm not – I was surprised, but I was surprised. I was like, this team cannot be that bad for that long. Like, it was also, it was insane how ba- how terrible they were um, the first part of the season. Um I believe Beal said that on defense at the start of the season, they couldn't stop a parked car. So some along those lines, which is funny. So I'm going to go ahead and take Washington in a potential matchup against um, Indiana. Uh, As far as I go, Charlotte, Boston, I'm going to go and take Charlotte as well. Um, So in that situation, that's how I see that playing going. And then in a situation like that, I would also take in a potential Charlotte against Washington matchup. I'd be pretty conflicted. Um, but I'd probably take Washington, honestly. I don't know. I'd be very conflicted in a matchup like that, but for sake of argument, I'd go and take Washington. Hmm. So moving on to the West side of things, my man, this is where it gets pretty interesting. Um, because it seems all, but I mean, obviously the East, it's pretty much determined the plan. West is a lot more flexibility. Tech, it's going to be either the Blazers or the Lakers in, but the Blazers have just been super hot right now. Lakers have not been. I mean, they've won three games in a row, but outside of that, they've been they've been pretty ass the second half of the season, just virtu- just by virtue of injuries. Um, so as far as it goes, if the plan were to start today, we'd be looking at Lakers, Golden State, Memphis, San Antonio. Uh, so in a potential playing situation like that, how do you see that going? I mean, first of all, let me tell you, I think for the Lakers, I think they'd rather be in the play-in rather than play the Clippers first round, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I and, if I, and I think if I was the Clippers, I must feel more confident in the play-in and then playing the Suns in, for the first round. Mm-hmm. 
But well, and also, I, I don't know. know. I don't know how, if that's actually very true because I, LeBron's been very pissed off uh, about actually having to. Um, but I almost that's what I'm saying. He doesn't want to be in the plan to begin with. I feel yeah. and it, and I don't think he'll struggle in the plan, but I think it's almost. I mean, playing Clippers first round. I don't yeah. know. I feel like playing a game here, still being kind of warm, getting back in the mix. He's coming off an injury, and so is AD, right? Or I don't know if they got rested or whatever, but something there. Mm. I almost think it's not bad that they're in the play-in. It's almost a little better that they're in the play-in rather than they're seated. Rather than seated. But as far as the play-in, let me get into it. Yeah. Um, Memphis, San Antonio. I think my winner out of that. Oof, that's that's tough because like I, I always say, you can't bet against Pop. Obviously, John Crew, first year. And one game on the line. I, I'm going to take Pop. I think the 10 seed takes it. Mm-hmm. I think Memphis is out. Um, LA, Golden State. I'm going to take LA, obviously. So LA plays Phoenix, and then Golden State and San Antonio play each other. Golden State, San Antonio. I probably take. I'm going to. I'm going to. I think I'm going to take Golden State on that. So it's going to be Golden State, Utah. Hmm. That's fair enough. I'm going to go ahead and um, take Pop, like you said, and if it's a match with Memphis, I'm going to take San Antonio. I'm going to take the Lakers against Golden State, and then Lakers over San Antonio. So that that one's pretty quick. But, yeah, man, as far as it goes, it is pretty hype now with the NBA playoffs. We're, get, we're getting that. We're getting there, man. Um, as far as that goes, guys, um, there's so much fun to have with the playoffs, so much fun to have – um, in terms of putting some scratch down on games. And you know what, Angel, you know what a good site for that is? Have you heard of any? I think you got to tell me, Josh. I, I'm not sure if you heard, but Monkey Knife Fight is a daily fantasy sports gaming website for the casual sports fan that is simple, fun, and easy to play. You just determine which superstars competing in the day's professional sporting events and record more or less of the contest line provided. Monkey Knife Fight's daily fantasy prop games plays similar to salary cap daily fantasy sports games, but without the algorithm's lineups, most importantly, sharks. There are several contests to choose from none of which require hours of research required on competing websites. Start with a simple two-for-two two or go for the highest payouts, 100 times or higher, by selecting an eight-for-eight, eight, more or less, contest. Get started now with a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 with code Courtside. So yeah, you guys can go ahead and have some fun this weekend uh, with the fights as well as next weekend with the plan in the playoffs moving forward. But Angel, my man, there's one last topic for the show. There is. There is. Uh, Canelo Alvarez last Saturday night coming out on top, um, defeating Billy Joe Saunders. This was um, a very interesting fight, to put it lightly. Uh, obviously, Canelo came out firing early. Billy Joe ended up kind of sustaining and actually ended up coming back in the latter rounds. I think I gave him maybe two or three of the last rounds, the four in the eighth round. Excuse me, in the seventh round, actually, would have been. Um, Canelo landed a uppercut, I believe, um, that landed on Billy Joe Saunders' eye, and apparently didn't just break his orbital, broke like three or four parts of the skull that surrounds the eye. Uh, he ended up making it to the corner for the eighth round, but he didn't end up coming out. Eighth round stoppage win for Canelo Alvarez, my man. Uh, very interesting fight, though. What do you think about the fight itself, and um, what do you also think about the stoppage? Because I know a lot of people were giving Billy Joe Saunders a lot of shit for it. I mean, that's a serious injury, man. Your eye, that's nothing to fuck with. So it makes sense. Uh, obviously, the corner looking out for, for their guy. At the time, we didn't know what it was. We just thought maybe the eye had swollen up and he didn't want to come back out. But it ended up being more serious than that. And Canelo told us, man, uh, was it 7th and 8th round? That's when it's going to get real. And he did not lie to us. It really did. 
It really fucking did. It really did, man. Absolutely. He is, without a doubt, pound for pound number one. I'm curious what you thought about the scorecards, because I know they were all over the place. Some people, Chris Mannix, for some reason, on his own, had Billy Jusson as winning. Um, I didn't. I, If I remember correctly, I think I had uh, Canelo up by one round. Uh, what do you think about the scorecards themselves, and what, how do you have the fight score whenever it got stopped? I had I, I could have had it like that, too. I think I could have had it where I had Canelo up by one round, but I think I had Canelo up by two, maybe, if I mm. look at it. Yeah, let me go back and look at it. Yeah, I had him up by two. Because I scored. Did you score the eighth? Oh, uh, no. Yeah, I did score the eighth. So, yeah, I would have oh. had it. All right, fair enough, fair enough, my man. As far as that goes, that's kind of just a quick recap for the fight last weekend. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about on the show before we close out? I mean, Josh Joshua and Fury pretty much got officially announced. I mean, we could talk uh, quickly about that and pretty much your thought on that. I mean, are we surprised at at all by where it is and and when it is, to be honest? I don't know if surprised is the correct term to use, but it's about damn time, dude. That's, that's all I feel. It's about damn time. I'm waiting for a while. We have been. We have been. But hey, man, it's official. Uh, no no surprise that good Saudi money man coming our way. That Saudi money for them. They're both going to be making a shitload of money on August 14th. So good for them. For them, right? I mean, that's hey, man, at the end of the day, that's what we want for the sport, right? There's nothing else you want. Yeah. You love to see it. Love to see it, love to see it. But yeah, man, I mean, we'll get into that more whenever the fight gets close and when the fight actually happens, because we, we're still quite a ways away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, my man, uh, not a whole lot of boxing this weekend, I believe, unless I'm missing something. Um, there might be something going on, but I think it's next week that we're going to talk about. Yeah. If so. there is anything. I can't think off the top of my head right now. Like I said, usually if there is something, we we, we, we talk about it. We know about it. Mm-hmm. yeah man so but outside of that um i believe that's all we got for this show hope you guys enjoyed as always at courtside sound one if you guys want to go and vote on the lightweight draft and on instagram at courtside sound off i'm at josh Shevinoff on twitter he's at underscore one hope you guys enjoyed peace and butt grease mouse click